ranked by U.S. News & World Report among the top 10 rehabilitation hospitals in the nation, Shepherd Center specializes in medical treatment, research, and rehabilitation for people with spinal cord injury and brain injury. As a service to our community, we present Shepherd Center Radio with host Melanie Cole. Upper extremity surgical procedures can improve the quality of life in people with spinal cord injury. The Upper Extremity Rehabilitation Clinic at Shepherd Center offers a comprehensive therapy and treatment program to improve upper extremity function for individuals with catastrophic injuries who've limited function in their arms, wrists, and or hands. My guest today is Dr. Alan Peljovic. He's a board-certified orthopedic surgeon with a specialty in hand and upper extremity surgery. Welcome to the show, Dr. Peljovic. Tell us a little bit about what upper extremity problems and issues people with spinal cord injury might experience? Well, thanks for having me. Um, I think the main thing that these, that, that these folks will experience is dysfunction, inability to use their arms uh, for simple activities that they need, uh, for example, just to help mobilize, to help transfer from one location to another, to eat, uh, to use their technology that helps them to manipulate their environment, uh, that's probably the most common set of difficulties that they encounter. Is this problem that goes from the shoulder, elbow, and wrist, is it more localized in one area? Can they just not use their fingers, hands? I know it's different with every patient, but generally, does it include the whole arm? Yeah, so it really is a little bit different because I think most people think of uh, tetraplegia or quadriplegia as being one thing, meaning an inability to use their arms. But the truth is it's really more than that. Most people, the average person who has this sort of an injury, has good use of their shoulder, some ability to bend their elbow, and maybe even the ability to straighten out their wrist. And then that's about it. They can't always straighten out their elbows. They can't move their fingers. uh, And that's usually the difficulties that they have and, 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 the, and what, what they really have trouble with is the inability to use their fingers to grip and manipulate objects. So what's the first thing you do with them? Does this start with physical therapy before it goes to a surgical intervention? What happens at the beginning? So, at, you know, at the beginning for anybody who's sustained this injury, there's a, there's a huge period of adjustment. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're doing this at a, at a model care spinal cord system. Uh, that's that's used to taking care of individuals who are going through this, you know, really very dramatic transition in their life. Uh, and it starts with rehabilitating every part of them, not just their arms, but their legs, their, uh, to the extent that they can, their, their psyche, uh, any other injuries that they may have sustained. Uh, but the focus on the arm starts really at the beginning, and it's about keeping everything mobile and not allowing stiffness to set in. Uh, about splinting them, about strengthening the parts that have function um, and protecting them from injury as they start transitioning to their new and adjusting to their new life. Um, and then we wait. We, we wait because most people who have this injury are going to regain some degree of function. The, the spinal cord has some capacity to heal, very limited. So we want to wait until they have finished going through that healing process so that we really have a good expectation of what their arms and hands are going to be like for the rest of their life. And that can take six months to a year sometimes. 
once you've determined what their level of recovery is going to be after that six months or a year, which must be a very frustrating waiting period for the patient, then how do you help them? What types of surgical interventions are offered? And tell us a little bit about this tendon transfer surgery. So the idea is to try to build a function that, they, that they're lacking. And we have a, a fairly algorithmic uh, approach to doing that. So, for example, one of, one of our priorities is we want to make sure that if someone doesn't have the ability to straighten out their elbow with strength, that we might be able to do something to provide that for them because that could mean the ability to reach up above them and manipulate a greater part of the world around them than they can if they can't do anything above their shoulder level. And it might even mean the ability for them to transfer themselves in and out of a wheelchair or in and out of bed and things like that. And the next thing we look at is uh, if they can already straighten out their wrist, is to try to provide them with some pinch, the ability just to take their thumb and their index finger and bring that together with strength, with about at least enough strength to be able to pick up anything, whether it's a pen or a phone or uh, eating utensils or even a catheter that they need to use to catheterize themselves, any object that they will be dealing with on a regular basis. And then after that, we look at grasp, the ability to close their fingers and make a fist so that they can manipulate a larger object like a cup or a bottle uh, or a glass. The most common way that we do this is with tendon transfers. And uh, a tendon transfer is a surgical procedure where we take a muscle uh, that is already working for them, that is strong and that is under their own voluntary control, and we reorient it. So instead of doing the function that it was designed to do, it does something new. Uh, And that's the most common way to do it. So for example, we can take one of three muscles that bend an individual's elbow and turn that muscle into a thumb pincher simply by reorienting where the muscle attaches to. Um, another way that we can do it, but we don't use it too often because it's, it's, there are not clear reasons to do it regularly yet, is to shift some nerves around, to, to, do, to take a nerve that's working or a part of a nerve that's working and plug it into a nerve that's not working and sort of achieve the same thing. So in, in the tendon transfer, what is that surgery like as far as recovery? How soon will they know if that works? And then also take that into the brachial plexus surgery. Nerves take a long time to heal. So when would you know if that one worked? Yeah, so that's the thing. The, the, one of the nice things, there are two nice things about tendon transfers. One is that we have a lot of experience with them. This is These procedures have been done and the techniques have been sort of honed and developed over the course of decades now. So we really have gotten pretty good and pretty reliable with our results. The nice thing is, is that it, it, it takes about three weeks for the, for the tendon to start healing strongly to its new position. And usually by about two to three months post-operative, people are using it. it that, that process has begun. So it's a fairly quick process to where they have function. And then if they stick with it and they're motivated over the course of the next six months to a year, these functions, which are a little bit clumsy initially because they're having to relearn certain muscles, become second nature, and now they have a new arm, a new hand they didn't have before. With the nerve surgery, that takes a lot longer. Uh, nerves do heal very slowly. Uh, and you know, the, the quote we always, we always give people is about a millimeter a day. So if, if you're looking at three to four inches of nerve healing, that's four four to five months before a nerve ever makes it to the target, and then about six months to a year before it strengthens. So 
it's more like a long-term investment. And while I think there's a lot of promise with nerve transfers and tetraplegia, it's not yet uh, really become a tried-and-true technique that we can count on with the same reliability that we can with tendon transfers. I think the future is probably going to be a hybrid where we're doing a combination of tendon transfers and nerve procedures that will really potentially create even more elegant function than we're able to do now. Along the research line, Dr. Paljovich, what else is going on that's exciting for upper extremity issues with spinal cord injury? So one of the really exciting issues uh, in terms of hand and arms is electrical stimulation. It always has been. Um, So there's an ability to stimulate these paralyzed muscles because the problem is not the muscle. And in fact, the problem is not even the nerve that feeds the muscle. The problem is in the spinal cord. So these nerves are still alive and the muscles are still alive. They just can't get a a signal from the brain to contract. But you can put tiny little electrical electrodes on these various muscles and using very elegant computer programming can coordinate, uh, grasp and pinch and uh, opening of the fingers and motion at the elbow. Um, These techniques were actually commercially available over a decade ago, no longer available, but the research really does continue in that vein, uh, and the ability to control it becomes even more elegant using trying to use uh, brain brain waves, brain signals, uh, in order to control uh, these these devices. So I think that's a very exciting, um, uh, something very exciting on the forefront that may be available uh, eventually, uh, and these are, uh, you know, and then of course any research that's devoted to potentially improving the outcome of the spinal cord injury from the beginning to minimize the impact. Um, it, a lot of work there, uh, and hopefully progress eventually. In just the last minute or so, Dr. Paljovic, give listeners your best advice about having a loved one suffering from spinal cord injury and the upper extremity options that are available to them and why they should come to Shepherd Center for their care. Um, You know, the the advice that I would give anybody who's who's dealt with this injury or is dealing with this injury is that the, the time to consider these things is when someone realizes that they need more out of their arms, more out of their life than they're able to get. Um, There's no such thing as uh, the injury's been around too long for someone to get benefit from at least the consultation or these operations. So we've we've done these procedures, you know, early on in someone's recovery to years later with, with similar results. I think the reason why places like Shepherd Center and certainly Shepherd Center have an advantage and other model care spinal systems where there are such programs is because we have just tremendous experience. We've been doing this for a long time. We are a center that uh, is focused on taking care of people with spinal cord injury, and, and that is a unique and distinct injury that is not so easily understood or appreciated um, at centers that don't do this very often. There are, there's lots to coordinating a patient's care that have nothing to do with the operation, but have everything to do with their disability and the particulars of that disability, logistics and things like that. But also, the one nice thing that we have is we have, a, we have all the specialists available to us as we need to evaluate people, and that includes the therapists and the radiologists, and whenever needed, uh, the, the uh, uh, physiatrists uh, and even um, neurologists. So we have a whole cascade of specialists all geared and focused on uh, providing the very best care in a very comprehensive manner. And I think that always works better for people. It just makes things easier, more efficient, safer, better outcomes. 
That's great information. Thank you so much. You're listening to Shepherd Center Radio. And for more information, you can go to shepherd.org. That's shepherd.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.